Peter, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. So, I remember back in the day when I would play a lot more basketball. I'd go to the gym, and uh, typically if there are enough people to play five-on-five, two people would uh, kind of be assigned as the captains, and they would just pick teams, right? Like you would pick whatever teammates you want to play with you, and then you just go back and forth. You're picking the best players so that you can put together your own little squad and then it's five on five and then you just play and then that's how the day goes basically. So typically when you're picking, you're picking your teammates, you're kind of like scouting out for the best players, right? You're trying to pick the best ones to be on your team so that you can win. It's like common sense. If you're the team captain, you're picking the best players so you can make the best team, right? The, the most talented players, the most skilled players, the fastest players, the biggest players, the strongest players, right? And you're kind of discerning who fits that mold the best and you're going down the list, right? So when Christ goes to pick His disciples, you would expect that there would be some similar wisdom in that sense, right? That He's going to pick the best candidates, right? The best servants, But what you see in Christ's selection of the disciples is the exact opposite. Is that He goes to choose the weakest, the foolish, the sinful. He goes to choose the despised. A tax collector like Levi. Someone that's shunned by society. And then if you go down the list of the disciples, many of them were uneducated Many of them had a poor reputation. And like Levi, a tax collector, he didn't really have an inclination to even serve God. right? But God called him to to serve. God called him to evangelize and write one of the most beautiful gospel accounts. The gospel of, of Matthew is such a rich gospel. You see the Sermon on the Mount... And you see how it's depicted uh, in these like five little sections in the terms of like reflecting the Torah and the five books of Moses, how Christ is depicted as the, the new Moses, the one who transcends the law. This is the Matthew that Christ chose today, this tax collector despised by everyone. And so, when you look at the disciples as a whole, the apostles, the ones who established the church, the pillars of the faith, you see people like Peter and Paul. One was a hothead, quick-tempered, reactive, right? Just a, a very impulsive character. Of course, he was full of zeal and, and God sanctified that, but that's one of these two. The other one, Paul, a murderer, persecuting the church. Right? These are the two that Christ chose as the, the pillars of faith among the, all the apostles. Right? St. Paul understood that God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. There's a big difference. He doesn't call the qualified, but He qualifies the called. He sees the weak and the foolish and He says... You're the type of person that I can sanctify, that I can use. You're the type of person that I can utilize for my service. 
In 1 Corinthians 1, 27-29, St. Paul says, But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to shame the wise, and God has chosen the weak things of the world to shame the things which are strong. And the base things of the world and the despised God has chosen, the things that are not, so that He may nullify the things that are, so that no man may boast before God. This is how God works. So a lot of times, we think that we're not qualified to serve. A lot of times, we think that we're not qualified to help others around us and to evangelize and to speak about Christ and to go out into the world. But if anything, what we see in the gospel is the exact opposite. There's not a single person that God cannot use. There's not a single person that God cannot use. And so when I refrain from committing to God and allowing Him to use me, what I'm doing is I'm actually questioning God's capacity to use me more than my own abilities. Right? And so I have to ask myself, if I'm doubting myself or I'm doubting God, because if I'm reluctant, then if I really trust in God's ability to use me, then that reluctance will disappear. Like I will serve with my whole heart. I will go out, I will evangelize, I will speak of Christ. I will go to serve my brothers and my neighbors. I just want to like, reiterate this concept by mentioning a few examples in, in, in the history of the church. Okay? One of the best examples is the one who led God's people through the Red Sea and into the wilderness and to the promised land. The one who went to speak to Pharaoh to liberate God's people from slavery. And that one is Moses. Don't forget that Moses had a speech impediment. Moses was called to go serve God and Moses responded, I can't. I, I, I have a heavy tongue. I'm slow of speech. I have a speech impediment. You want me to go and speak about you and explain to Pharaoh who you are and all this stuff? You're choosing the worst guy, the guy who actually cannot speak. <laughs> and so he responded to the Lord and said, Oh Lord, I am not eloquent, neither before nor since you have spoken to your servant. But I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. So what did God do? He says, Okay, matinfash. You don't work. You're not going to cut it. No. He, he equipped him. He qualified him. He strengthened him. He gave him words. Right? And so, if I trust in God's grace, then I can open myself to that and allow Him to use me in any capacity. Because again, there is not a single person who is not called. Another amazing character that we all know, the one who crushed a giant, a small simple boy, David, David the prophet. Remember, whenever Samuel went to Jesse, and he was looking for a new king, and God tells him, look, don't worry about the appearance, what I care about is what's underneath, right? And so, Samuel goes, asks Jesse, okay, show me your sons. And then he brings him the best of his sons. Right? The first one, the second one, the third one. He goes through seven. 
seven sons that Jesse thinks will qualify, like from the top of the top. And then Samuel says, yeah, they're cool, but I'm still looking for someone else. This isn't the one God, has, God wants to use. And he says, oh yeah, there's a small lad, the youngest one. He's out in the field tending the sheep. And then comes in this little boy. His appearance is rudy, the way that it was described in the scriptures. Right? It's kind of like he was blushing. And Samuel says, this is the one. The same David that when he went to go and fight Goliath and he put on the armor, he couldn't even walk with it because it was so heavy. That's how small and scrawny David was. But God used this small lad to crush a giant. So who am I to hinder God's work in my life by this, this sense of unworthiness or I'm too small or I'm not qualified? Right? God can use the smallest. And that's exactly who He desires to use. Another amazing example is Jeremiah the prophet. Jeremiah was similar to Moses. Right? Jeremiah was not just called when he became an adult like Moses, but he was called from his mother's womb. Right? And so, the beginning of Jeremiah in chapter 1 verse 4 says, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Right? So God says to, to Jeremiah, I called you before you even came out of the womb. And He's telling that to each and every single one of us, that I called you before you were born. I appointed you. I chose you. I sanctified you. I gave you my image and my likeness so that you can walk in my footsteps. And so Jeremiah responds in a similar way like Moses. Ah, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak for I am only a youth. I'm a little child. I can't speak. I have no eloquence. I'm not this eloquent public speaker. But the Lord said to me, Do not say, I'm only a youth. For you shall go to all to whom I send you, and whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of their faces, for I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. Then the Lord put forth His hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. God sanctified Jeremiah's mouth. This young lad that couldn't even speak, God chose and used to become one of the greatest prophets. Again, God wants to use every single one of us. God is calling every single one of us. And this excuse that I'm too small, I'm ignorant, I don't know this, and I'm not really the church type, I'm not really the theological type, I'm not... Those are all just excuses that kind of just to satisfy our own reluctance. We know that those are not valid excuses because we see in the scriptures that God uses the foolish and the weak and the young. Another great prophet... And one of the reasons why we chose this name for Malachi's baptism last, yesterday is Gideon the prophet. Remember, Gideon was very similar to Moses and David and Jeremiah. In Judges 6, 14 to 16, 
the Lord turned and said to him, this is whenever he's responding to Gideon, go in this might of yours, and you shall save Israel from the hands of the Midianites. But hey, the Midianites are huge, right? Thousands of big giants, right? And so, of course, Gideon has this call to go fight against these giants, thousands of them. He's like, really? You want me to do that? And God says, have I not sent you? He's asking, have I not sent Don't question, I'm the one who, who sends you. So he said to him, Oh my Lord, how can I save Israel? How can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. You're, you're choosing from the smallest clan, and I'm the smallest one in the smallest clan. Right? Like it doesn't get any lower than that. And the Lord said to him, Surely I will be with you, and you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. And indeed, as one man, he led this tiny little army. An army of 300 men. And they went out and defeated the Midianites. It is a beautiful example from the patriarchs in our church. And some of you might recognize the story of Pope Demetrius I. He's the 12th patriarch in Alexandria. His picture is always depicted with like a cluster of grapes. Any of you recognize him? So, when the previous Pope was nearing the end of his life, God told him, you're going to find an illiterate farmer that's going to come to you with a cluster of grapes out of season. This is going to be the Pope that leads the people after you. An illiterate farmer. He's a married man just farming his field, and one day he got a cluster of grapes. It was out of season, so he went to the Pope to give him these grapes to get his blessings. And the Pope realized like, what God told him is true. And so this illiterate man not only led his people, but standardized the feasts. He standardized all of the fasts in the church. He's the one that standardized Lent and, and Holy Week and became such a big theologian. Right? And, and if you read the story in the Synexarium, it says that the Spirit illumined his eyes and gave him understanding. This illiterate farmer that couldn't even read or write. Right? And so, if God can use an illiterate farmer that can't even read or write, not just to serve in Sunday school, not to serve as a priest, but to serve as a pope. And not just to get by, but for the entire community to thrive with his leadership. Then what excuse do I have? Again, I want you to be convinced that God is calling me. And He's calling me by name. This is what Isaiah 43 verse 1 says. But now, thus says the Lord, who created you, O Jacob. This isn't in reference to the the individual Jacob, but in, in what Jacob embodies, all of us. And He who formed you, O Israel. Again, the nation of Israel. right? God who created you. 
He says, Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by your name. You are mine. I have called you by your name. This is all I want to leave you with. This fact, this fundamental reality. You know how there are laws of physics, right? Like gravity. If I drop this cross here, it's going to go straight down, right? That's just a law of gravity. There are spiritual laws, theological laws. For example, God is love. We are created in His image and His likeness. These are theological, spiritual laws. One of those laws is that you are called. I am called. There's no doubt about it. So the question is, what am I called for? Right? If I am called... And not a single person is exempt, no matter how small, no matter how young, no matter how foolish, no matter how weak, no matter how ignorant. Every single one of us is called. And we're called to love. We're called to serve. We're called to go out and speak of Christ. To go out into the world and to evangelize. To radiate that light. Right? To be an extension of Christ's hands and feet. Right? I have to ask myself, if I truly believe that, if I truly believe that I am called, if I'm convinced that I am called, or if I'm sitting back and I tell myself, well, you know, I'm not the Sunday school teacher type. I'm not the theological type. I'm not the patristics type. I'm not this, this, this. I just feed myself these excuses just as a cop-out. But I am called to go out and to serve and to love and to glorify God. And believe it or not, I will have to give an account of the talents and the gifts that God has given me to fulfill that calling. Because that is the truth, that I am called, and I'm called to walk in His footsteps, to be crucified to the world, and the world to be crucified to me. May God give us the grace to follow in the footsteps of these disciples, someone like Levi, who accepted the calling and became this great disciple, a great evangelist, Matthew, who wrote one of the most beautiful gospel accounts. May God give us that grace to glorify Him until His do all glory forever. Amen.